desire today as we come to worship the Lord, and we turn then to Psalm 84, a psalm that really encourages us and challenges us to, to worship. Psalm 84, reading verses 1 through 12. How lovely are your dwelling places, O Lord of hosts! My soul longed and even yearned for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. The bird also has found a house and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young. Even your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. How blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Selah. How blessed is the man whose strength is in you and whose heart are the highways to Zion. Passing through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. The early rain also covers it with blessings. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them appears before God in Zion. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Selah. Behold our shield, O God, and look upon the face of your anointed. For a day in your house is better than a thousand outside. I would rather stand at the threshold of the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord gives grace and glory. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, how blessed is the man who trusts in you. Let's pray. Father, these are your words that you have given to us, words by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that the words of my mouth today, the meditations of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight. For it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Morbus sabbaticus, better known as Sunday sickness, is a disease peculiar to some church members. The symptoms vary, but it never lasts more than 24 hours. It never interferes with the appetite. No physician is ever called. After a few attacks at weekly intervals, it may become chronic, even terminal. No symptoms are usually felt on Saturday. The patient sleeps well and gets up feeling well. He eats a hearty breakfast on Sunday. And then the attack comes until services are over for the morning. The patient feels better and eats a solid dinner. And after dinner, he watches the football game. He may take a walk outside and stop to visit with neighbors. And if there are church services scheduled for Sunday evening, Guess what? Another attack comes. And if there's any other services scheduled during the week, the same thing happens. The symptoms will not occur until the following Sunday unless another service is scheduled at church during the week. The man who wrote Psalm 84 would not have tested positive for Morbus Sabbaticus. He'd love to be in the house of God, and if he was alive today, I kind of think he would say, I can't wait for Sunday. I can't wait for that time when we gather together as a body of believers to worship the Lord. We don't know who wrote this psalm. 
We know that he was one of the sons of Korah. That's what the title of this psalm tells us. And if you're wondering who the sons of Korah were, they were we could call them the Old Testament worship leaders. Uh, one source I read says they became the great leaders in choral and orchestral music in the tabernacle. And so it isn't surprising that the worship leaders would write a psalm like this, right? Gathering together to worship the Lord. So what does the psalmist want us to know about worship? I would suggest there's three things we see in this psalm. First of all, worship is the priority of the believer's life. Many Bible students believe that the writer of this psalm was temporarily unable to come to the, to the temple. Maybe he was sick, not with the morbid sabbaticus, but maybe he was really sick. Uh, he might have been banished from the temple like David was on, on several occasions. But whatever the reason, his absence from the temple caused him to realize how much he loved to be in the house of God. How lovely, verse 1 says, are your dwelling places, O Lord of hosts. Now, I don't know if he was talking about the architectural beauty of the temple. How lovely is this place? And and if he's describing the the temple of Solomon, that certainly would make sense, wasn't it? It was an amazing edifice. If you read in the Old Testament of what was involved in the building of that temple, it was absolutely magnificent. But if you look at verse 2, the temple was lovely because this is where he went to commune with the Lord. Look at verse 2. He says, My soul longed and even yearned for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. So God had obviously done some wonderful things in the life of this man in the temple, and he was committed to be there. He, he longed to be in the house of God. Psalm 42 was read this morning, and that's another of the sons of Korah, same group. And in that psalm, not surprisingly, we see the same longing to be in the house of God. Notice the picture in verse 1. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before Him? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all day long, Where is your God? And he says, These things I remember. And I pour out my soul within me, for I used to go along with the throng. I used to lead them in procession to the house of God with the voice of joy and thanksgiving and a multitude-keeping festival. So this man also was separated from the temple for some time. And he's saying, God, when, I, when can I get back there? When can I be there again to worship you with your people? Let me ask you a question today. Do you long for the house of God? Do you ever say, I can't wait till Sunday? (laughs) I hope so. I hope that's your desire because you long to be with the people of God, praising Him, hearing His Word, 
fellowshipping together. I hope it's the highlight of your week. I can't wait until Sunday. I can identify with the psalmist's love for the temple as I think about my home congregation. I think of how I was came to Jesus there and how I was confirmed there and I was taught there. I was married there. I was ordained into ministry there. So I have very uh, pleasant memories of that place where God did some wonderful things in my life. And I can say the same thing about all the other churches that I have been a part of. Longing to be there on Sunday to to worship the Lord. Now, some of the buildings where uh, I worshipped probably weren't the most uh, beautiful architectural edifices ever made. I've worshipped in gymnasiums. Does that ring a bell to any of you in this congregation? Yeah? We were down there for a long time. We had our setup teams, and we realized we had five setup teams. We realized how fast five weeks goes. It's our team again? Oh, wow. You realize how fast? So I worshipped in gymnasiums. I worshipped in schools in another place where I lived. Actually, we worshipped two funeral homes. You think there are any jokes about that? Ah, pretty dead church over there. Oh, you know, how was church today? Oh, it's pretty dead, you know. The buildings weren't the key. But coming to worship Jesus, that's the key, right? Whether you're in a beautiful sanctuary like this or you're in a gymnasium, there ought to be in our hearts that desire that says, I can't wait that we gather together with God's people. Verses 3 and 4, he, he, the psalmist kind of pictures his desire to be in the house of God and, and the, the feeling at home there. He uses a picture of a bird building a nest in the temple. He says, The bird also has found a house and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young Even your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God, how blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. And if he's far away from the temple, he's thinking, you know what? Those birds are there. I wish. I'm kind of jealous of the birds. And then in verse 4, he talks about probably the priests. How blessed are those who, who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. You get the impression that that he, he doesn't want just a trip to the temple now and then, but, oh, to, to dwell there, to be there all the time. What a, what a joy that would be. I think of David in Psalm 27. Verse 4, he says, One thing, notice that one thing, have I asked of the Lord that I shall seek. What is it? That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in His temple. Notice for David, it wasn't behold the beauty of the temple. Oh, I just love this architect. I just love this building. It was the beauty of the Lord. That's why he says, oh, the one thing that I long for, the one thing I desire is to be in the presence of the Lord. 
As a pastor, I consider it a blessing to be among those who kind of dwell in the house of the Lord as I study here and as I have the privilege of of proclaiming God's Word here. And sometimes I have to pinch myself and say, they pay me to do this. (laughs) I get paid to study the Word of God. I get paid to share the Word with you. It's just like, what could be better? I feel sorry for you people that don't have this calling in life. <laughs> it's, it's wonderful to dwell. In, I know I don't sleep here, but to be here, it's, it's a joy. And if I wasn't a pastor, worship would still be the priority of my life because I love to gather with people I love To worship the Savior that I love. And I hope you feel the same way. I hope you love to be here. Can't wait till Sunday. Worship is the priority of your life because together we get to worship our Savior. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord. So worship is the priority of the believer's life. Notice, secondly, worship is the power of the believer's life. When we come to God's house to worship Him, it makes a difference in our lives, doesn't it? Does it not make a difference in your life when you come and worship Jesus together with other believers and you hear the Word of God? Does that not make a difference in your life? I sure hope it does. And I believe that genuine worship Not just going through the motions, not just coming over tradition, but genuine worship of Jesus will change your life. And it will strengthen you as you face the challenges of life. Notice verse 5. How blessed is the man whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. Passing through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. The early rain also covers it with blessings. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them appears before God in Zion. So so the the picture of this psalm is, is people that are traveling to Jerusalem for the various feasts that the people of Israel celebrated. And I find it interesting, it talks about the Valley of Baca. If you look on your Bible map, you're probably not going to find the Valley of Baca because many believe it wasn't really a, a, an actual place, but it was used symbolically. Uh, some believe the Valley of Baca means the Valley of Weeping. And so I would picture the, the challenges that the, the worshippers faced as they were journeying to Jerusalem. The highways to Zion mentioned in verse 5 weren't at all similar to our highways. Not taken off on I-94. I mean, it was was a challenge for them. Others believe the word Baca refers to a dry desert land. And so H.C. Leupold says, The route taken was certainly not the object of fond remembrance. For the most part, those pilgrimages were long Dusty and tiresome. Long, dusty, and tiresome. 
So coming to the temple for these people traveling to 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 for those feasts, it took some effort. It wasn't always convenient for them to get there. There were some obstacles in the way that would cause them to, hmm, I don't know, this isn't going to be the easiest trip. But it was to the house of God. But their hearts were committed to worship the Lord. And they weren't going to allow any of those obstacles in the valley of Baca to hinder them. So there's a lesson for us in that, isn't there? Sometimes there's obstacles coming to the house of God. Sometimes there's, there, there's things that might appear to be reasons why, um, I'm not coming today. Maybe, maybe next week. And you know, our, the enemy of our soul is very crafty, very, very sly. He will give you all kinds of reasons why not to come to the house of God. He knows that when you spend time here in worshiping Jesus and fellowshipping with other believers, that that is a strength for you, that, that changes you. He knows you need to be here. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, it says that we are not to forsake our own assembling together, as is the habit of of some, those who have more mortis Sabbath, what did I call it? I can't remember what I call it. But in, he goes on to say, but encouraging one another, and all the more as we see the day approaching. You need encouragement. I don't know if you realize that, but you need encouragement. You need to be among the people of God, worshiping together, assembling together, not forsaking this. I suppose I'm preaching to those who aren't here, right? Because you're here. We need this time together. And notice what the Lord did for these worshipers in the Valley of Baca. Either the Valley of Weeping or this Valley of of a Desert Land. It says, passing through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. The early rain also covers it with blessing. So this place of trial became a place of blessing because they found their strength in the Lord. Because the very next verse says, they go from strength to strength. Every one of them appears before God in Zion. Now, we obviously don't travel to Jerusalem through the valley of Baca, right? Through desert land or whatever it was for Jewish feasts. But we go journey through life, don't we? And sometimes we go through difficult valleys. Some of you have experienced that in a very significant way lately. A valley of weeping, a valley of 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 trouble, of trials. And what this psalmist says is that God has ways of turning those difficult valleys into valleys of blessing. If the word Baca refers to a desert land, that would make sense with verse 6, because passing through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. The early rain also covers it with blessing. And God is the only one who can do that in our lives. 
the valley of Baca is not the place we want to be, is it? In a valley of tears, a valley of dryness and so forth. We'd much rather be in Apple Valley, maybe, or Golden Valley, or what about the Valley of the Jolly? Ho, 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 green giant. You might not recognize that if you're not old like me. What You know, God can turn the Valley of Baca into the Valley of Blessing. God is able to do that, and one of the ways He does that in our lives is as we come and worship Him. He, he enables us not just to endure the, the trials of life, but for God to bless us in those times. Where He sends His, His refreshing, life-giving water. Great picture of the power of worship. So we need to make that our priority. We will experience that power of God, that strength that He provides for us as we come into His presence. But then the third thing, and I love this, worship is the privilege, the privilege of every believer. So let me ask you, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you wake up on Sunday morning? you say, good morning, Lord? Or do you say, good Lord, it's morning? Huh? Do you think when you get up on Sunday morning, today is the day we get to go to church? Today is the day we get to worship. Thank you, Jesus, for the privilege of coming to your house. I think that's how the psalmist viewed it. A privilege. Verse 10. He says, for a day... In your courts. Notice the comparison. A day in your courts is better than a thousand outside. Just one day in your courts, it's better than a thousand days anywhere else. I would suggest to you he saw it as a privilege. He goes on to say, I would rather stand at the threshold, at the door in the house of my God, than to dwell in the tent of wickedness. Leupold says, what the writer would especially stress over against those who regard worship as a hard demand or an unwelcome chore is that it is a matter of rare joy. Rare joy. I hope you see this time as something not that you have to do, but that you get to do, right? A privilege. A privilege to come and worship the Lord. So who is, the, who is this God we worship? I, I love how the psalm ends. The God we worship is our protector. Verse 11, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. He's our protector. And He is able to keep us safe, to protect us from any enemy we face. There's a title or a name that is given to the Lord in this psalm four times, the Lord of hosts. The Lord of hosts. In fact, that name is used in the Old Testament. Anybody want to guess how many times? Somewhere around 275 times. That surprised me. I thought, wow, if repetition is for emphasis, 
then we better take to heart what that name means, the Lord of hosts. Literally, it could be translated the Lord of armies. The Lord of armies. And sometimes it's used to describe Israel's army. Most often it's used to describe the armies of heaven, right? His mighty angels and the Lord as He fights for us. He protects us. And I, I was thinking this week of, of 2 Chronicles 20 as an illustration of God's great protection. It was a time when King Jehoshaphat was faced with an army of three nations coming against him. and He's obviously alarmed, and so he gathers the people of Jerusalem to pray. Wonderful prayer. If you want to read a great chapter this afternoon, read Second Chronicles chapter 20. And in that prayer, he concludes it this way. He says, Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we are powerless before this great multitude who are coming against us. Nor do we know what to do. But our eyes are on you. Okay, God, we, we don't have the strength. But we look to you. So God's answer came, verse 14, then, the, then in the midst of the assembly, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel. He was a prophet. And he said, Listen, all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you. Here's what God says to you. Do not fear or be dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. You think that was a welcome word? I know you're scared, Jehoshaphat. This army is huge. It's not your battle. God's and it's mine. Oh, would that have been joyful? So, verse 19, it says, Jehoshaphat, or verse 18, Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping him. Battle hadn't even started yet, but they began to worship him. And guess what? Guess who showed up? The sons of Korah. They were there. And we're told in verse 19, the Levites from the sons of the Kohathites and the sons of the Korahites, which were the sons of Korah, you know what they did? They stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a very loud voice. That's what worship leaders need to have, right? A loud, good, loud voice. And they were praising the Lord. The story doesn't end there. Verse 21, when he had consulted with the people, Jehoshaphat, he appointed those who sang to the Lord and those who praised him in holy attire as they went out before the army. Now, what do you think would happen if, uh, in our day today, the choir was sent out in, play, in front of the army? That's what they did. And so the choir went out before the army, and they were singing, Give thanks to the Lord for His loving kindness is everlasting. Verse 22 says, When they began singing and praising the Lord, the Lord set ambushes against the sons of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, so they were routed. Then on the fourth day they assembled, not in the valley of Baca, but the valley of Baraka. <laughs> if you're wondering what that is, that's the valley of blessing. And there they blessed the Lord. Therefore they have named that place the valley of Baraka until today. 
There were the sons of Korah again. There they were leading the the army and the nation in, in, in praise as they went out to battle. The Lord of hosts, their protector. Aren't you thankful that God is your protector? You have enemies. You have enemies. The devil, the world, and our own flesh, they battle against us, but God is our protector. Is that not reason to praise Him? It ought to be. You don't want to be out on your own. God is our protector. And then finally, God is our provider as well. God is our provider. Verse 11, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. There's a protection. The Lord gives grace and glory. No good thing does He withhold from those who walk uprightly. I think of Jesus when I read this. Grace. God pours out His grace upon us. We have the promise of one day standing in His presence glorified. But in the meantime... Whatever our need is, God is going to provide. No good thing does He withhold from His children. If there's something that we need, God says He'll supply that need according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. The pastor telephoned his sermon title to the newspaper. And he was preaching on the 23rd Psalm. And he gave them this title, The Lord is My Shepherd. And so he got a phone call back. The question was asked, is that all? And he answered by saying, that's enough. And so they put in the paper that week, The Lord is My Shepherd, that's enough. That is true, isn't it? If the Lord is your shepherd, that's enough. He will provide all that you need, and that truth gives you good reason to praise Him today. Your protector, your provider, the one who strengthens you, the one who gives you joy, the one who guides you day by day. I pray that worship will be the priority of your life, the very power of your life, the privilege of your life. That you with joy will say, maybe many times during the week, I can't wait for Sunday. I can't wait for that day when we gather together to worship the Savior who loved me and died for me, protects me, and provides for me. No more Morbus Sabbaticus, right? I don't think we should get up on Sunday and say, hmm, should I go to church today? It shouldn't be a question, right? Come and praise Him. Give Him the glory. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank You for who You are, all that You've done for us. Lord, You are worthy. Worthy of our praise. I pray that that would be the, the priority of our life, the power of our life, the privilege of our lives. Come and worship You together, singing praise to You, fellowshipping around Your Word. Oh God, give us that hunger, that yearning, that desire of the psalmist to be in your presence. In Jesus' name we pray.